Thank you so much for being here at one more episode of the XR Magazine podcast. I am Diana Olen, your host, and today we're going to be speaking with Akin Belgic, who is one of the founders of Brink XR. He's one of the developers of the virtual travel experience, and this is an exciting time because today we're going to be speaking about how Brink XR has been dedicated all of these years to making the wonders of the world personally accessible to all through virtual travel experiences. Pretty much at the end of the day, their ultimate goal is to aim to give people who otherwise wouldn't have the opportunity to visit the amazing places of the world a chance to feel like they've experienced it in person. In Brink XR, you can do so many fun things. And this comes all from their core foundation, where they designed the whole experience as a virtual travel tool that can help to build connection and empathy for these amazing places to protect and ensure them for future generations. So beyond entertainment, they see the profound uses for virtual travel, including education, healthcare, and historic documentation. They said in their website that their world is filled with amazing places to see and explore. I can see that as well. I tried myself bring XR and I remember the very first time that I did it. I was absolutely amazed because in this experience, not only you get the opportunity to go into these remote and beautiful places, but also learn at the same time about data or facts that otherwise we wouldn't get to learn. So thank you so much for being here. And I can't wait to get started speaking with Akin. Let's do it. Thank you so much, Akin. I'm super, super excited for being here with you today. I cannot wait to begin this chat. Please let us know how are you doing today, first of all, and how Brink XR got started. I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me. It's uh we we've been trying to to do this uh call for a couple of months now. I, I was I was traveling for a little bit and then when I came back home uh about a month and a half ago, I unfortunately it was finally my time to to go through COVID, so we had to reschedule now, but I'm better now and it's uh it's good to finally be able to meet and talk with you. Um thank you so much. Yeah, Brink. Uh so I, I come from a visual effects background. Um I, I worked in Hollywood game and films for most of my career. And um it was around I want to say like twenty fifteen or so. Uh, you know, I had been working in the industry for a while and I was kind of starting to feel this burnout. I had been working with my current co-founder, uh, Brandon Riza at Blur Studio for a while. Uh, I worked as a freelance artist for a whole bunch of different places. And um, I needed this kind of escape from this. Uh, VFX can be a kind of notoriously difficult field to, to work in. So whenever I wasn't in front of a computer working, we were always going out onto uh, big trips, big uh, like month-long road trips, I was freelance, I would take time off between gigs uh, and kind of travel became my escape. And I got into landscape photography and time lapse and 360 
And um, my partner, Brandon, also comes from the background of uh, adventure photography and mountain climbing and that kind of stuff. So that was kind of our escape outside of our normal careers. And then it was around something like 2015 or so that I was first exposed to a VR headset. I think it was a DK2 at that time. And this was this like lightning strike moment for me where um, my brain immediately started kind of like processing what this could mean for the things that I was passionate about. I already kind of had this computer graphics background. I already kind of knew about, you know, game engines and the real-time stuff that was happening inside of this headset. But, um, you know, my mind kind of immediately started wandering about like, well, okay, so if this is the new medium that's going to be coming out, this this spatial 3D volumetric medium, what does photography look like in that? And uh, I was started experimenting a little bit with like 360 photography and stuff like that. And I'd always been a little bit um, disappointed with it because, it, you know, if you if you've tried, you know, any type of 360 photography app, it's, it's flat. It's not, it doesn't really feel like you're standing there. It feels like you're standing inside of a bubble of a 3d space. So kind of leaning into my visual effects and computer graphics background, I started experimenting with um, volumetric technologies like photogrammetry and LIDAR processing and, you know, just trying to come up with a prototype of what this could be of what I think, um, you know, landscape photography, what, what, not just landscape photography, but any type of photography should be in this sixth off world of VR. And it was around that time that I had a friend that I was working with. Uh, he got hired at Oculus. And at that time, it was a small team um, called Oculus Story Studio. It was a small off branch of Oculus up in San Francisco. They were in a tiny, uh, tiny little office on second street away from the main Oculus group. And these were a bunch of ex Pixar DreamWorks ILM people that had come together for uh, storytelling purposes, trying to experience, like trying to experiment with what storytelling means in VR. And uh, I was incredibly fortunate to uh, join that team. And I got hired at a, at story studio for about, I worked there for almost two years, basically. This was around before the Rift had come out. So it was still like very early days of VR. There wasn't a consumer headset out there yet. So we got to try the latest technology. We got to try, um, you know, the the Rift before it was available to anybody, the, the touch controllers before it was available to anybody. And um, it was just a really kind of magical time that I was deeply immersed in this new technology and at the same time, I was experimenting with what computer graphics and um, volumetric photography could be in this new medium. And I think that was kind of how just working with these um, new and upcoming technologies, that was kind of the birth of what the idea for Brink would come out of. And from there... It was around like 2017 or so story studio was shut down and like reintegrated into Oculus. Um, a lot of people joined like the horizon team. A lot of other people went into other like parts of VR and AR. But, um, at that time I decided not to go into, uh, Facebook Oculus at that time and, um, try to see if I could build Brink with my co-founders, uh, Brandon and Florian.
Wow, that sounds amazing. And I love that you were able to show us all of that amazing background, like at Oculus, that adventure there and knowing different people and having access to early technologies. That sounds super exciting. I actually didn't know that. So that's amazing. Thank you for letting us uh, know about that amazing beginnings. So at that point, I believe maybe you um, uh, had these discussions with your team and how did you say, okay, let's, let's begin this journey with Brink. How was the early design, the concept? What the struggles happened there? You know, at the very beginning, it was, it was just based on these tests. Like I had gone out. I live in California. I'm in San Francisco and I'm surrounded by like California is a really amazing place because it's just, you know, I, I'm within a three hour drive to the, the highest mountains in the U.S. The, there's a rainforest nearby. There are volcanoes. There's the driest, hottest area in the world. You know, there's all sorts of awesome biomes. So, um, what I did early on was I did this, I went out to Death Valley, which is just a beautiful, uh, national park in, um, Southern California. And, um, I tried going out to one of my favorite places over there and, and scanning to see just if, as a proof of concept, if I could go out there and scan something. So, uh, went out there, took photos, took, um, took a drone, um, tried to get some sort of, you know, 3D representation of the place that I was in. And I was able to kind of put together this little proof of concept inside of, um, using Unity. And this was with, uh, I think I was using like a dev kit too. And, um, as soon as I had just kind of like, it wasn't, it wasn't great, but it was enough that it kind of like showed that this was possible. And as soon as I had that, I, I went to, um, uh, I went to my, uh, my colleague, Brandon, Brandon Riza, who's a visual effects, uh, veteran. He'd been, uh, at Blur for over 15 years or so and was showing him. And I, I approached him because, uh, first off, he has this incredible visual effects background as well. But um, he's also a an avid mountain climber, and he has just a mm. fantastic photography portfolio where he'll, um, you know, he, he summited peaks all over the world. And um, it kind of just got my brain turning about, like, you know, you're going out there, you're taking photos of these awesome places. I love going out there to these places, too, and capturing these, like, this new medium is coming. Maybe we could kind of, like, build something interesting. Maybe we could build up a company out of this. Um, and then a little bit later I had met Florian, our other co-founder, who's our unity engineer, um, head of engineering now that, uh, really kind of was the last piece of the puzzle that brought the whole friend end of this thing where we're going out, we're going out to these spectacular places, we're capturing them, processing them, and then putting them into a game engine that can then run on, you know, at that time we were just running on a PC, but, you know, a big part of this was trying to get it to run performantly on a, on a mobile processor later on once the quest was, uh, once we saw the first quest dev kit. So yeah, that's kind of just, it kind of became this like organic growth thing of like having this initial idea mm-hmm building a small, small prototype, trying to get people excited about it, showing it to people, getting ideas. And then like, it just kind of snowballed and became this bigger and bigger thing. And so this point where we were like, you know what, actually, I think we can build something 
pretty interesting that would appeal to a lot of people out of this. So that's kind of how this was. Those were the early formations of what became Brink and Brink Traveler. Yeah, amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah, that's uh, absolutely led by passion. I can see your why there, like based on your interest. So that's a very nice foundation also to build a company when, you know, like the founders have that passion, really believe in that, really understand the connection that this can have with nature and the benefits. I am absolutely in love with the idea that how there are some people in the world that for reasons like health, or money, or for some other reasons, they cannot travel, but they still want to be educated. They want to learn about historic places, what's the value of them. And even maybe before paying a ticket, I want to know how the place is to know if I maybe I would feel good, you know, spending all of that amount of money or not. So this is one of the best you know, solutions that I, that I see. And I'm so passionate about that, this type of um, that experiences that really have utility in that sense, you know, that yeah. really can save money for people that really can, you know, uh, enrich their lives with education and background in history, etc. So I'm super, super excited. Thank you for sharing that. So that, uh, to that point that you explained actually takes me to the next question, which is, that was kind of like the early prototypes, et cetera, that you'd be building. And how today, how did you get such a fidelity of volumetric capture of real locations? How, you know, like what do you use today, like to, to make it like that? Um, I mean, really with fully 3D, 6D DOF, how, how does it work? What, what was that pipeline to get to that rich, um, you know, imagery? as you mentioned, working in a mobile device, like in a headset? Oh, it's it's so hard. It's so yeah. hard. <laughs> it's, Imagine. I, I, I wish it was just like, you know, something that I could I could say that, you, you know, um, was a natural process and it's easy yeah. to do. But, um, you know, anybody that's, that's familiar with photogrammetry or, or volumetric capture, LIDAR data, dealing with all these types of things is, um, you know, ease of use isn't really necessarily the, the first thing that comes to mind. Um, you know, going out to a location and taking a lot of photos with, with a, with a camera and, and a drone and, you have to do certain things to make sure that you have good quality data, but largely it's, it's, I mean, as long as you're taking lots and lots of photos when you're out there on, on a site, uh, you're going to have good, you'll have reasonably good data if you have good cameras and, um, that kind of stuff. And that's, that's more or less the easiest part of the process, which is, which is not to say that it's easy, but it's, um, you know, I, I think anybody can learn a photogram tree. We've actually had like pretty good success of like recruiting people who just have traditional, like regular photography backgrounds, not, not 3D backgrounds, um, and teaching them the photogrammetry process to be able to go out to a location, choose the spot that they're going to have as their center of the scan. And then, you know, when we start a scan, we try to get it all done in about an hour so that the lighting and stuff doesn't shift too much. So it's, um, it's this process of trying to make sure that you've captured everything from every angle that you can see it from and make sure that we have everything within a five meter radius of the beginning point totally covered so that everything feels photoreal. And then the detail kind of falls off after that point. But really like 
that's the fun part. That's, you know, going out into these locations that we love going out to anyway. So much of the work that's, that's, you know, that represents just the tip of the iceberg. And then there's this whole other body of work that has to happen in order to take that location, take those images, take that source data, process it all uh, using photogrammetry tools and, and 3D software that kind of leans back into our visual effects background. Um, and then we had to write a whole, we, we spent a lot of time developing our own tools and writing a, an entire pipeline that helps us automate some of this stuff. But basically uh, you take these, you know, billions of polygon meshes and thousands of images and, and huge amounts of textures. And you have to try to process all of that down into something that can run performantly on a, on a mobile processor. And it's really hard. <laughs> it's, it's really hard. And there's a lot of limits of what we can do. Um, you know, it's like things have to be relatively still, the surfaces have to be relatively simple enough that it can be expressed realistically in VR. Um, so, you know, we wouldn't be able to like go scan right next to like a beach or something because the waves are coming and there's too much motion and there's, too, um, you know, or in the middle of a rainforest where there's too many leaves and too many things to scan. Like it's too, the surfaces are too complex for, the amount of detail that we can run on a headset. So it's something we struggle with a lot. Um, it's, it's, we've written a lot of tools that help us with this process, but it's definitely like a very in-depth process that we're, we're trying to look into ways of like what we'd like to do, what I would like to do. And when we have a little bit of time more to breathe is, uh, write like a series of articles about like, this is our process. This is how we do it. Um, maybe that will kind of get a little bit of a conversation going, um, about like, oh, actually, like I found this really helps with this kind of scanning or, or that kind of stuff. Our, our goal is to open this up to everybody. I think it's, uh, you know, it's a big world. There's a lot of stuff to scan out there. It's, yes. we're not, we're not pretending we're going to be the only ones that are working on this. Um, so, you know, it's definitely. like everybody should be out there scanning and, and sharing their world. Oh, wow. That would be amazing, you know, like the user-generated content, because people might feel I'm living in this sanctuary. Not many people has access to come here. I like to share this with the world. How could I do it? And then you would be giving this amazing opportunity to creators in the world to that. Holy smoke, this is like going into the beautiful direction that is giving the opportunity to others to tap into your mission. And you, you know, like, uh, allowing them with tools and uh, with resources to that. That is amazing. I'm super excited yeah. to hear that. Yeah. I was going to ask our, you kind of like what the future, but like you actually just went through that. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. And that's our mission. That is, that is what we're trying to do at the end of the day, you know, as that, that is kind of formed around this pro this project, mm -hmm. this company, we're trying to, mm -hmm make the world more accessible to people and make these wow. amazing places that like some of these places, even I can't get to because Brandon is able to climb to some of these really amazing peaks. But, you know, we've, we've gotten so many emails from people saying like, you know, thank you. Like I've, I've been stuck in a hospital room for the last couple oh. of years, or I'm in a wheelchair. Like I never thought I would be able to get to some of these places. And it's really, you know, that's been probably the most rewarding part of this oh. whole process for us. 
Amazing. No, that story that you just said is so fulfilling. These are the type of examples that I can say. People that cannot walk, for example, but still want to experience how it would be to feel the immensity of the nature of these beautiful places that people talk about. Why I cannot have the opportunity? This is like also tapping into inclusivity and giving the opportunity for people to, to experience this. Ah, thank you so yeah, much for such a beautiful creation that you're making with your team. I was going to ask you that. What is also amazing as well is that you not only give people the opportunity to see the space around, but you also created some interactions. Is that right? Yeah. You know, absolutely. in these spaces, could you talk, talk a little bit more about that? Like what type of interactions and that, that's also exciting. Yeah. I mean, g going out there and capturing these places and bringing them into VR because we wanted to share them with our friends and family and, and, and give people a real sense of what it feels like to stand there is there's a huge undertaking and it and it's um you know it, so much of the work that we do goes into that but really quickly early on we saw as we were showing it to more and more people and trying to kind of gauge the viability of this being an app that we could sell and and form a company around um it became immediately apparent that it's not enough just to show these places to people you you they have to have things to do there, things to learn, things, ways to kind of interact with it. So um, I think a lot of that, a lot of those aspects in our app um, in Brink Traveler came about from trying to add a little bit more depth to, to these places. So um, immediately, you know, we, we, we leaned into the whole, um, well, we want to educate people about these places too. We want people, you know, when we were showing it to our friends, uh, the early prototypes, you know, they'd be asking us questions of like, Oh, this is so cool. Like, what is that river down there? Like, how did you, how did you get up here? Like, what is, what is the story of this place? Like, how was this place formed kind of thing? And some of the stuff we knew, some of it we didn't, but that became like the first logical, um, way to kind of add a little bit of depth to each of these places. So we introduced this point of interest system where you can, you know, bring out this compass and you can find these uh, little little bits of information that are scattered throughout the experience in each one of these places that you go to. So you can at least learn a little bit about what that is. And then from there, it started kind of layering a little bit after that because we started playing around more with interaction and trying to understand like, oh, okay, this is actually kind of fun. Like now you're kind of finding these these things that are scattered about and like what other ways that we can you know, raise people's interest about these places. So, um, you know, we, we started having 3D objects that you can interact with and um, little artifacts that you can find in each of the places. And that really helped to kind of raise the user engagement in each of these locations. And we saw people staying in the app way longer when yeah. once we started doing that. So it was just kind of this effort to kind of add a little more depth for the people who... Um, and I think this applies to most people. They need a little bit more than just to be able to visit a place and look around. Some people are totally content with that, but you know, like VR as a whole is pretty game dominated, you know, yeah. and people expect things to do in each of these experiences. So we're trying to find novel, interesting ways to engage people and give them interactivity, give them things to do in each of these places. 
Wow, that sounds amazing. I experienced Blink XR by myself. And I remember going into the app and being absolutely surprised by how crisp and how realistic it, it looks. Like it's amazing. And also I, ex- I, ca- I can see how you added there some elements of even education like data, just, just to learn the context as well. Um, I can see that for as well, like very, very useful for schools, you know, like even also kids learning, like it's so, has so, so much potential. And I'm super excited about what is to come for you and your team. Yes. Yeah, so, so great to hear. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. It's been a lovely conversation. Um, I am, uh, very, very, um, humble to, to share this, uh, this podcast, this episode of someone who has been building this from scratch with his team, etc. And we are very, very glad to share this in all the channels. We're going to be inviting everybody right now to go and check and download um, Brink XR, which is available in the Oculus Store and Steam, if I am correct. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, people, yeah, can get to, to experience it. But also... I believe you also have some experiences that are in outside the R or not yet. So we bring travelers on uh, the Quest. It's on the Rift and it's on um, Steam for general uh, headsets. Yeah. Um, we also have kind of like a an AR prototype of it as well that you could download on your phone or tablet, which has been kind of a really cool way to kind of introduce people to the concept of. Yeah of spatial photography like this. So oh, nice. people that don't necessarily have access to a VR headset, you know, we're trying to make this accessible for everyone. So, um, yeah, you can bring it up on a phone or, uh, any iOS or Android phone or tablet can also bring up kind of a, uh, a, a cool little, I would say, uh, like a preview of what you could see in the VR app. Yeah, amazing. Wow. Thank you so much, Ankin, for this amazing interview. We're super excited about what is to come for Brink XR. We're going to be making some posts, sharing them. And if anybody cares, please help us to reshare the work that Akin is doing in your own social and media networks, because this is something worth to know about. And I'm pretty sure once people start to know more and more, People is very excited about this type of opportunity for us to travel around the world without moving from your home. <laughs> Thank yeah. you so much, Akin. Is there anything that you wish I had asked you today? No, no. This was great. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much, Akin, and see you in the next episode. All Bye. right. <laughs>